This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. What's going on? Welcome into episode 83 of Small Talk. I'm your host, Michelle Smallman. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're staying inside. I hope you're staying at least a little bit sane. I'm not. I'm going nuts. I'm over TV. I'm over movies. I just started another book. Can't get into that. I'm over running outside. I'm over FaceTime. I'm just over this, as I'm sure you are too. I miss sports so much. Thank God ESPN Fast Track, that Michael Jordan doc, that's going to save us. I'm telling you. Anyway, let's jump into this week's pod. It's the second half of my quarantine convo with Saruti. And we last left off talking about rating countries and if America would be a number one seed. So let's pick up right there and get to the thing everyone has been talking about in quarantine. This is a perfect transition for us to talk about Tiger King, which I have been dying to get to. <laughs> not Oklahoma. Because Oklahoma's not one of them. My, my dad was like, should I watch this Tiger thing that everyone's talking about? How would you describe it? And I said, well, Dad, it'll make you feel so good about yourself and so badly yeah. about our country. <laughs> because every single person, except for maybe one, that was in that documentary, I was like, you're gross. And how do people like this and places like this exist in America? It's when they talk about two Americas, I truly am like, there is this whole subset of people that live in this country that I do not identify with at all. They might as well be in a different country. Oh, there's like hundreds of Americas. Yeah. Like yeah. There's, and that was just one random one that I did not know existed was the big cat trading part of America. <laughs> in my mind, Oklahoma was really sweet, down home with a tinge of Southern Belle. I did not realize it was meth, shirtless tats, no teeth, underground, big cat trading. And listen, I know that it's there's gross parts of every state, but I was just like, wow, there's a lot of people rolling through this place every day. Yeah, I couldn't have told you too much about Oklahoma other than like Oklahoma City, where, yeah, I think when you talk about states, right, and you go, what do you think of when you think of Georgia? It's like, oh, Atlanta or whatever. But like, I remember somebody telling me this, without Atlanta, Georgia is essentially just Alabama. That's what it is. Like, oh. there's nothing there. And you, you mean know? us when we drove through the yeah, entire well, state of Georgia? Through, and there was nothing but Waffle Houses, and it just wasn't a pleasant place. I have nothing, nothing against Georgia or whatever. I just, you know, passed for me. Passed. And I think when you think of Oklahoma, it's like, oh, Oklahoma City, yeah, cool, or the Thunder are there. Norman College Town, but then it's a massive state. There's like, there's so much land. There's so much like, and, and that one city and those those two places are just one part of it. And you get into the real shit. That's when you like in Louisiana, right? Like you know you got New Orleans and Baton Rouge or whatever. But then you know you get into like the swamp areas or whatever. And like where Booker McFarlane, I remember he used to always say like, that you know his home he didn't have any, there was like no address to it, right? You get into like places like that. That's not what people think of when they think of certain states. They think of like the biggest city that they could think of in that state. And oftentimes that's not a real indicator of what that state's actually like. Not at all. All right. So Tiger King, where do you want to start with this? What do you, how do you want to break this down? Because there's many wrinkles to this. Yeah. So I thought it was incredibly overrated. I'm not trying to be like Steve hater thing. It was just a crazy group of people. And it was honestly, you know, it's what, six, seven episodes. Like it was entertaining, but the, one of the best questions one of my friends asked me was, do you like anyone in the show? Anyone, any one person? Do you just be like, yeah, that person's okay. And I had a really time, hard time answering that, answering that question. I liked the girl who got her arm mauled off by the tiger. Yeah. Like, you know what? No big deal. I was back and working five days. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, Joe's saying, like, I will never financially recover from this. Was, <laughs> that was pretty funny. And that has been um, the, the meme for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, we yeah, will not financially and, recover from this. And it was honestly, shout out to her. I mean, some people would probably say she's brainwashed or whatever, and maybe she is. But she just really didn't want to screw over Joe, and she took the blame for basically saying, yeah, I stuck my hand in the freaking thing, and they ripped my arm off. It's my fault. Right. So, listen, do I like her? Do I want to hang out with her? No, but I didn't dislike her, so I guess that's a start. You know what, though? I think since everyone is locked up and everyone in America watched Tiger King, how are you ever going to call in sick or something after that? Just be like, hey, I can't do it. I'm not feeling well. They're like, hey, I know someone in Oklahoma who got her arm ripped off and was it was amputated and she was back at work in five days. Suck it up. Yeah, and I don't know if you looked at it, too, but it didn't look like it was a great surgery job, Like, <laughs> it, uh, if we're going to be honest. Now, I don't know if that was the five-day situation or being in Oklahoma, or maybe that is what it looks like when you get your arm ripped off by a tiger. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I kept looking at it, and it just, it didn't look right. It didn't look, it just didn't look right to me. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. (laughs) You know, now that you say that, I didn't look at it that intensely, but I don't think it was a clean clean cut, if that makes sense. Yeah, it looked like one part was longer than the other one, and it kept moving around. You could see the bone in there moving, and I'm like, oh, all right. Did she get the best medical care? I'm not sure. You know what? I'm not sure either, but her loyalty to Joe Exotic was unparalleled. You got to respect it. He has a knack about him to get people to ride or die for him on an unbelievable level. How about the fact that he got two guys who were not gay to marry him? And honestly, the third guy looked like a normal dude. The last guy, what was his name? I forget the guy that Travis, he's like currently the married guy, to. Oh no, yeah, that guy was. Maddie and I looked at each other. I'm like, this guy looks like a normal, decent looking dude, and he's married to fucking Joe Exotic. I when he rolled up, the third husband, and they got in the limo. I texted someone. I was like, Is Joe Exotic's third husband low key cute? What is going on? Yeah, I agree. And and I the mean, second one, the one who committed suicide, R.I.P. Was not bad looking either. No, and definitely wasn't gay. I don't know. It's like I don't know why. Some people in some areas are more, they're more likely to be brainwashed, but I don't know. Like these guys, and granted, I don't know how much they had going for them. It didn't seem like there was a ton of financial opportunity in that area. And maybe they just looked at this as saying, hey, this guy is going to let me just sort of live my life. I can shoot my guns. I can, you know, have some money. I can have food on the table. And, you know, if I got to be gay, I got to be gay. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know, Steve, life is a series of choices. And you just yeah, make choices. You, know, you take the good with the bad. I don't know. So I looked at it like this. Sure. I was getting ready to go to South Africa for a wedding, and then we were going to go on safari afterwards. And I was so excited about seeing lions and tigers and jaguars and cheetahs or whatever we were going to see. I think big cats are... I'm a Leo, okay? I'm a a Leo. I love lions. Um, Is that that, the thing? I have no idea. Yeah, Leo, my zodiac sign. We are the lions of the astrology universe. So... I'm as down with lions as anyone, but how many people that worked for him for no money or the second husband who was not gay, who uprooted his, seemed like a pretty normal life in Southern California to move there. And their rationale was, I mean, I got to play with tigers all day and lions all day. And you're like, I'm sorry, what is being around big cats that seductive that you're going to force yourself to be gay when you're not gay and hang out with Joe Exotic all day? Yeah, it's one thing. That dude, Joe Exotic was obviously a psycho. He's insane. And I don't know, what's the other guy? Doc Antle? Doc Antle, yes. Yeah, who was even kind of more of a weird brainwasher. Like, that was more of a cult than 
than what Joe Exotic had going on. Those people were, obviously they had that woman that was like in Iowa or whatever that was talking about it. (laughs) And that to me was way more cultish than Joe Exotic's thing. I just feel like the Joe Exotic part was just a product of people and their circumstances and feeling like, well, this is just a way that I can kind of do whatever the hell I want, you know? And because I imagine that most of the people that ended up there probably didn't have a lot going for them in the first place. Do you think it was a true hardo move for the first husband, Joe Exotic's first husband, to do his entire interview shirtless with the tat that said exclusive property of Joe Exotic? Yeah. You know, again, that guy wasn't gay. Like He's hooking up with the receptionist married to Joe Exotic. And by the end of the thing, you can clearly tell like, he didn't even like Joe. Like He was like ratting him out basically been like, I'm going to, you know, fend for myself. But maybe the weirdest part of that whole thing is I didn't even really, it didn't even really hit me that he was doing the whole interview shirtless until like episode two or three. <laughs> Why? Because you were too busy that, looking at his teeth? that's how fucking weird the whole thing was, and everybody was, is that like, this guy's literally doing an interview, a sit-down interview, shirtless, and it didn't even catch my attention until episode two or three. Yeah, I looked at his teeth a lot at the beginning. I wasn't really focused on the fact that he didn't have a shirt on. And then once the second husband came into the picture, I thought, oh, this was a flex by this guy. He was like, I'm going to sit down here shirtless and show Joe Exotic what he's missing. But then, of course, once I wrapped it up, I read about that guy, and he's pissed at production because he said it was their idea for him to be shirtless, and he got a new set of chompas and was mad that they didn't do the interview with his teeth because he's got teeth now. Well, I mean, can you blame the production staff, though? Of like, course not. On. Of course not. So, listen, be your own man, and if you wanted to do the interview with a shirt on, then put a damn shirt on. Like, you're a free person. <laughs> you're a free person. You know, you brought up Doc Antle, and that was, I think, the reason that I enjoyed it so much is you watch episode one, and you're like, Joe Exotic, full-blown psychopath. This guy's nuts. Then they introduce Doc Antle, and you're like, I'm sorry, you're calling yourself Bagwan, which means Lord, and you have all these wives, and you're doing some crazy shit. And then they introduce Carol Baskin, who may be Uh. the biggest villain of all of this, and for sure killed her husband. And then just when you think it can't get weirder, they bring in this Jeff Lowe character, who by the end of it, I disliked more than anybody. Oh, no. See, I think I dislike Carol Baskin more than anyone. Why? She, Why? Because she said, hey, what's up, all you cool cats and kittens? Well, that's terrible. But my biggest pet peeve of any person and any whatever is people who are hypocrites, right? People who are just totally fucking frauds. Totally. And she's a fraud. Her whole operation is no different than what fucking any of those other people were doing. Now, maybe at the end, I guess she's not killing tiger cubs, but she's still profiting off of these big cats and acting like she's saving the world when in reality she didn't even have that many cats and she fucking killed her husband so to me like at least joe exotic and doc knew who they were and didn't give a shit and were just going to be who they were and i guess i respected that whereas carol acted like she was god's gift to earth and she was helping everybody and she really was just a complete fraud yeah not only is she for sure a murderer but when she and her husband were first into the big cat her game. sucks too. Not the, the second one, the one that's alive. Oh my God. Okay. We've got to touch on that. But they were breeding cats too. That was the whole, yep. their whole thing. Yep. And in her, uh, you know, park situation looked so suspect. It looked so ratchet. I'm like, you really think that you're no better than Joe Exotic when you're putting these animals in pretty busted ass cages and you're profiting off of it? 
Yeah, I didn't think they did enough on that. I really didn't. I thought the whole episode, what was it, episode three, I think, or four, was about her, right, and her murder and stuff. And they talk about Joe, basically, and all the other guys are calling her a hypocrite. But they really didn't ask her. Like, I wish they went into that and been like, well, what are you actually doing? Because it doesn't seem like you're doing anything other than, like, making stupid-ass Facebook videos. <laughs> when it cut to her the first time and she said, hey, what's up, all you cool cat and cats and kittens? It's me, Carol Baskin. And then they revealed that she had two million-plus people following her on Facebook. I'm like, again, yeah. who are these people that exist in our country that are f- millions that are following this weirdo on Facebook every day? Yep. yep. I do think that the big cat thing is a thing, though. Like, people, I could see a random Linda in <laughs> Missouri somehow gets into this thing and is really, who has like a lot of cats of her own, domestic cats, but also really does like big cats and definitely follows Carol Baskins on Facebook. And she donates and feels good about herself. And there's millions of of those Lindas around the country. (sighs) Lindas, Sharons. There's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them. My big takeaway from Carol Baskin, other than the fact that she for sure killed her husband, when when the tiger tried to bite Joe Exotic's foot, and she was like, "Oh." What what does he think that they rubbed him in sardine oil because that's yeah. what tigers like? You're like you just revealed no, the way no, you killed her husband. Her line, her, well, her line was, uh, if you wanted to attack him or have the tiger attack him, you wouldn't do what? What did they rub it in? Like cologne or something? Yeah, so cologne. You wouldn't use cologne. You would use sardine oil or something. Right. And it was just like, wow, that was incredibly incriminating. Yeah, um, incredibly so specific. And not only that, she everything she said, she would say it in, in this very stagnant tone you know she never got emotional or never got angry and to me that is the true sign of her craziness is that she is able to just exist on this one placid plane the entire time and she would say things and like oh yeah you know I was walking down the street one night at 3 a.m. and this man pulls over and I get in his truck and he gives me a gun and so I, I held him up at gunpoint and then I went and I I slept with him and then he was my husband you're yeah, like, you know, I'm sorry, what? And I think what is crazy about the whole thing is I think Joe Exotic and Doc and all those people, they know, I think, deep down that, you know, they're a little off. They're not normal. And I don't think that they're trying to be something that they're not, whereas I just felt like Carol the entire time didn't realize, ironically, that she was exactly who all these other people were that she was fighting against. Her husband, Steve. <laughs> When they showed the wedding and he was in a tiger outfit and a leash. And then at the end, when he was singing to her, I was like, you are the you are definitely top three creepiest people on this entire on this entire operation. Yeah. And he was the one fighting most of the fight for Carol and being upset for Carol. And you're like, dude, what do you do here? Did they explain what was his job? What did he do before that? How did he meet Carol? Was he also into big cats, or did he just all of a sudden meet Carol and then fall in love? I, it just didn't make any sense to me, but he was clearly one of the creepiest people in the entire show. Entire show. And again, how old Joe Exotic gets these guys to marry him and convince themselves that they're gay so that they can ride four-wheelers and shoot guns and play with tigers? How does Carol Baskin get these guys to marry her and just blindly ride or die for her until the end. I mean, this guy devoted his whole life to fighting a battle for her that she basically tasked him with. Yeah, and I felt bad for Joe at the end, too. 
even though he's not a good person, and obviously even more has come out about him since then. Yeah, but, things, the narrative on Joe Exotic has really shifted. Yeah, listen, I mean, here's the thing, though. If you were someone who was a Joe Exotic stand before that, then you need to probably check your priorities anyway. Like, I don't like Joe, but I did feel bad for him because clearly, you know, he lost everything that he had in this fight with Carol, and I don't think he ever... I would have liked to have known more about what he did to, what was it, five tigers that he killed? Yeah, He claimed that it was because they were ill or something and you know I, I don't know maybe that's true maybe that's not true but he, it did seem like for a lot of that he did take good care of the ones that were there and genuinely liked the tigers now it seems to sort of you know change as the whole thing went on he got more obsessed with being famous and becoming governor and president or whatever but before that it did actually seem like they because this is my question that i was having with maddie the entire time is a lot of these tigers you know it is sad that this statistic was that there are more tigers in captivity in the united states or was it big cats in general or tigers or whatever than there are in the wild in the entire world. That is a weird and crazy jarring stat. But I don't know. They're getting meals and they seem to be getting love and they have space to run around. They've got camaraderie. I don't know. They're not being treated like zoo animals where they're kept in cages for like 20 hours a day. I didn't really know. I was very conflicted on that. I didn't really understand. So I did feel bad for Joe at the end because I do think originally he genuinely cared for caring for all these animals. But he let his feud with Carol and his narcissistic ways and, yeah. uh, you know, the fame aspect Why of all of this get in the way. And then he did some pretty dirty deeds. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. The whole thing was insane. Okay, a couple just notes that I have here that I want you to respond to, okay? Okay. Are you surprised that the skincare line at the GW Zoo was not the bestseller? Stunned. <laughs> Stunned. When he was like, oh, this is our skincare line, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, what? How are you getting products and putting your label on them? And look at everyone that's around you. Their skin is horrific. Yeah, I was say, do you think he just took foot cream from, like, CVS and poured it into the, his bottles that he made and just called it his own whatever? I think that's probably what happened. That's totally a catty hair and mean girls play. Yes, great call. <laughs> uh, number two, his accent cannot be what Oklahomans sound like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I genuinely don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that the average sophisticated Oklahoma does not sound <laughs> like that, <laughs> but I don't know. I've never been to Oklahoma. But I would hear him speak, and I'm like, that is not a Midwestern country accent. It is almost as if he had some Cajun in there or something. They needed subtitles a lot of the time for you to understand what he was saying. Yeah, I mean, he just kept saying son of a bitch over and over again, and <laughs> <laughs> that was just entertaining as hell, but I, but I think a lot of it had to do with he was playing an act, like he was he was playing into the Joe Exotic character, like he wanted to be that. So I don't, who knows what he? I would have loved to have known what he looked like as a normal dude, not with the bleached hair and the haircut and the ridiculous jeans and all the fucking shit that he had going on, the eyeliner, no, and what he sounded like. If Joe Exotic just grew up into whatever his name was and just was like a normal dude, how would he have turned out? What would, what would he have looked like? Great question. Also. <laughs> Were you surprised that he made so many music videos and that are you in no. the are you in the camp that thinks I saw a tiger sneaky slaps? Um, it was stuck in my head for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely stuck. I mean, hey, it's a catchy song. Now, did he write those songs though? Too? I mean, I, well, it, after hearing him speak, I'm like, there is no way that's his voice. And I googled it, and it's not. He was a Millie Vanilli. He was lip syncing the entire time. Oh, okay, good. Okay, I, I asked Maddie that too. I was like, he, that's kind of a nice singing voice. There's <laughs> no way that's his voice. And he's standing on top of the pickup truck, just like strumming the guitar, clearly not playing it. And then 
you know, it doesn't sound like him at all. And I'm going, what? Ha- something has to be going on here. So, yes, that's great clarification because there's no way. Like, if, but imagine if he actually did have that incredible singing voice. Well, then he needs he needed to be on American Idol because if that's what he sounds like speaking, and then he opens his mouth to sing and it transforms, that is a gift from God. He's a legend. He really is. I would want to know how many millions, or I should say, dozens of albums he sold. I mean, I guess he probably did sell a good amount of albums. Well, he has now, for sure. You know how many people are rocking to hear no, Kitty Kitty? Nobody buys albums anymore, though. Come on. Yeah, but I mean... You, got, you download that. Want, is he on Spotify? we got to check that out. Let me look. Let me get research on that. Joe Exotic? Let me... Hold on. I'm hearing from IT right now. Yes. Joe Exotic. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he is, made it. He is, He's legit. He has 36,000 monthly listens. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You know what's crazy, too, is, like, for all these people that work a lot, well, I guess specifically for him, he seemed to have a lot of free time on his hands. He did. He had a lot of hobbies, a lot of things that he did. Yeah, how how do you possibly have all these husbands? How are you in a throuple running an entire zoo and a staff, and you still have time to make songs and music videos and, oh, I don't know, run for governor? And he had a nightly fucking internet show oh, yeah. about bashing Carol Baskins that was fully produced by that. By by the way, the producer was maybe sneaky, the fucking weirdest dude in the entire show. Oh, my God. The way that he wore that Indiana Jones hat and sucked on that cigarette the whole time. I was like, you, every person in there, though, was a character you could not write. Yeah, no, they're all insane people. They're all, they like, and that's what was the appeal of the show, is that everyone on the show was somehow like more insane than the last person the most normal person on the show i think the most normal person on the show and probably my favorite person on the show was the libertarian campaign manager. <laughs> i forget his name but and he's not normal he was not normal but i thought he was funny and he obviously saw some shit and he saw travis shoot himself but whenever he would talk i felt like he was the one that actually was saying things that made sense to me oh you mean the libertarian campaign manager that joe exotic plucked from the gun department of the local walmart Walmart. (laughs) yeah one of my sneaky favorite lines of the entire thing was when the campaign manager was talking and he was like yeah the most real moment for me was when the feds came to talk to me and he was like but also i'm a libertarian so fuck the feds so fuck the feds yeah that was such a great line Every time that guy was on camera, it was electric. I loved it. He was great. Now, again, I don't want to hang out with that guy, but I. But he was probably my favorite character in the show. Viewing, time, whatever you want to... For most of the entire show, I guess, what do you call it? A series? A show? A series, I guess. Yeah. So, mostly for the entire series, I hated, hated Carol Baskin the most. I thought she was just the worst. Such a hypocrite. A murderer. We don't need to get into it again. At the very end, when Jeff Lowe, who, by the way, is such a scumbag and such a uh, con artist, when he was sitting there with his pregnant wife and he was like, "Ugh, she's going to be induced on this day and good because she needs to get back in the gym. And then he was like, and this is my gift to myself, the nanny, and holds it up. And he was like looking at his pregnant wife like she was disgusting and needed to get back in the gym and basically taunting in front of her. Yeah, I'm going to bang the nanny. I was like, you are the worst. I don't care that Joe Exotic wanted to murder Carol Baskin. I don't care that Carol Baskin murdered her husband. I don't care that Doc Antiel has a god complex and is making these girls get boob jobs. I don't I don't care about any of them, okay? To me, that was just blatantly despicable. It was despicable, but I just, again, I don't really feel bad for... She's the one that's choosing to 
be married to this fucking loser who's <laughs> clearly a con artist. And, you know, I'm sure she's getting something out of this, whether it's money or whatever, or fame now that she's on the show. And by the way, do you see that? I, I think it came out today or yesterday that that girl, the nanny, was not, that wasn't fake. That was, that's not actually, well, I don't know if it was confirmed, but basically there was some, some sort of DM that she sent to someone that then got deleted that said that the whole thing was made up, that she wasn't, it was actually just for show, that she lived in Vegas and she's obviously a smoke show. She doesn't need to be a fucking nanny for this random guy. So the whole thing actually wasn't real. Oh my God. What? Yep. So she's yep. not, so she's not even hanging out with them? I don't think so. I mean, that's the, the, the way that they tried to sort of portray it. And they basically had her admitting it because yeah, she lives in Vegas. She does stuff in Vegas. She doesn't, why would she be a nanny in the middle of Oklahoma? <laughs> she probably doesn't make any money. It didn't make sense at all. And then she basically kind of confirmed it. I don't know if it was Jeff that was the one that did it or the show or whatever, but it, I mean, there's no way that was real. There's no way that that person was going to be their nanny. I mean, it's definitely Jeff that did it because he wants to seem like this Mac daddy. I mean, how much of his storyline was like, oh, in Vegas, we have all these threesomes. You know, I, I get all the women because of my tiger cubs. We're like, ew, Jeff, you look like a busted Harley Davidson cast off. Yeah, I think Michael Jr. had a great tweet about it. It was like, these are the people that keep affliction afloat. And it was 100% spot on. I was like, who's still wearing Affliction? Who's still wearing Half Out Gear? Who's still wearing, you know, Ed Hardy? And it's the Jeffs of the world. It's those guys who are wearing the weird, partially washed, ripped jeans with a lot of zippers on them. White, and, white stitching. Yeah. And you're just like, you know what's so crazy about that, too? And maybe you can answer this question. What era is that from? Like, what era is that style from? It's like the early 2000s Von Dutch era. It feels like all those people, all the people that wear the Ed Hardy, all the people that wear the Affliction, the Von Dutch, yeah, you're right, like the weird jeans, they're all the loser from your hometown that still goes to the hometown bar. They're all, that, they have completely monopolized the clothing line of that person. That person also wears white plastic sunglasses. White plastic sunglasses, yep, definitely, probably is Oakley's, I would imagine, too, definitely Oakley's. I think, yeah, I think Jeff was wearing an Oakley hat at some point. Yeah. And... It's amazing that all the same people who have the same trajectory path in life all have basically shopped and are wearing that sort of attire. But I, again, I couldn't, I don't remember, you're, you're saying it was the early 2000s. Like, I don't remember celebrities wearing that type of outfit. Do you? Like, so, Justin Timberlake wasn't wearing shit like that. No, but he was wearing the fedora doing the R&B thing. But I remember when Von Dutch was popular, it was like the, the Britney Spears when she was hooking up with Fred, yeah, Fred Durst. Yeah, remember Fred Durst would do like the, oh, yeah. the Von yeah, Dutch thing? Yeah, you know what? Jeff kind of looks like Fred Durst. Interesting. <laughs> Jeff wishes, okay? Fred Durst is so above Jeff. Jeff is just, ugh, I can't even with Jeff. But here's the thing with Jeff. Who would look at someone like Jeff and be like, mm, sick jeans, man. Where'd you get those jeans? I've, it's, it's amazing. And the same type of person that is attracted to guys that rev their engine on the highway. Were you surprised that Jeff had the taste to get a Ferrari? Well... Because a Ferrari is obviously a beautiful Italian piece of machinery. I would just expect Jeff to be in something so white trash and ostentatious. I would not expect him to appreciate a Ferrari. I could see Jeff in a Hummer. Those jeans give off the vibe of someone who owns a Hummer. Not so much a Ferrari, but definitely a Hummer. 
Well, we don't know that he appreciated a Ferrari. I feel like a, a Ferrari is one of those things where it's either really, really classy or really, really tacky. More, it, it's, there's no in between. I just, right? I just figured Jeff would have some souped up Harley Davidson and call it his hog, and then say, "Oh, I also casually bought an 18 wheeler, and that's but where it, I have my." But it doesn't strip matter. Parties. Like, it doesn't matter though because I feel like no matter what your social statuses or what background you come from, having a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or whatever is cool. You know, it like transcends douchebaggery. Normal people, rich people, douchebags, dudes like Jeff, everyone can look at that and be like, yes, I want a Ferrari or I want a Lamborghini. But where was Jeff even getting the capital to pay? I know he was behind on the Ferraris, but like, my God. See, but that's the thing. While I hate all of these people and I'm disgusted by them, I also want to extract a little of their je ne sais quoi because I could not convince anyone to do even one of the things that they convince people to do for them. I can't convince someone that's gay to marry me and pretend to be straight. I can't convince someone to sign over their property to me. So while I hate them, I also kind of respect them. Yeah, but here's the thing. Those people are constantly walking on eggshells, right? It's just a house of cards. And I couldn't imagine living with the uncertainty that comes with that lifestyle. Like, you're constantly a fraud. You constantly are, like, begging people and frauding people out of money. And it's impressive that they're able to build capital that way and actually convince people to do things. But that must be such a stressful life of having to constantly con people into giving you money. Yeah. You're right, Steve. So we should just live our current lives. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I, I, I've never wanted to, to change careers and become like Jeff. Tiger King, obviously, A-plus content. Oh, we- wait, wait, no, I got to bring up, hold on, I got to bring up my, the one thing I wanted to bring up. When Joe Exotic said, I think it was at the beginning, like maybe it was like the first episode, that he likes freeballing it. <laughs> wait, <laughs> what? I do not understand that. I was like talking to, to Maddie about it, and I was like, why does anyone, because this is, he's not the only one. There are plenty of guys, girls, or whatever that don't like wearing underwear that like, oh, I just, I just wear my pants without underwear. That to me seems like the most uncomfortable thing you can do. And I, Jeff, you know, or not Jeff, but, well, I'm sure Jeff probably free ball too, who knows. But Joe Exotic out here being like, nope, I just like, you know, I just like the feeling of the pants, like no underwear, just that's how I live my life. And I'm like, if I put a pair of my jeans on with no underwear, I think that'd be the most uncomfortable thing I could possibly do. Also, Joe Exotic's pants were pretty snug. Yeah, and that's a good way to ruin a good pair of pants. <laughs> There's, you know, if we're being honest, you need underwear. Underwear is a necessity. If you don't wear underwear, it's a problem. You are a problem. Also, I feel like he said freeballing it as if it was a clout thing. Like, yeah, I freeball it. That yeah, would like give him style points or something. Some people do that, though, and I've just never understood it. I've never understood it at all. How about, too, when he was like, oh, can't get my Prince Albert snatched in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even know what that was. I had to Google it. I was like, what is a Prince Albert? And then I was like, oh, my God, Joe yeah. Exotic. Yeah, yeah, no. That, that, you pretty much knew everything you needed to know about Joe Exotic about five minutes into the show. Wait, speaking of balls, before we wrap this up, how about when he's giving his late husband's eulogy and he's like, whenever I was upset, he would just come over and rub them balls in my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, the man is dead, and your words to memorialize him is about... And then he sang. Didn't he sing? Oh, my God. What a fucking disaster. But in front of his mother and his family, your words to memorialize him are how he would (laughs) rub his balls on you when you were on the phone. Sign of affection. 
you know, don't knock it till you try it. I don't know. And then he's like, yep, everybody who, who worked with us saw Travis's balls at some point. They know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thing is, though, Travis probably would have loved that. So shout out to Joe. Because Travis, that seemed like the kind of guy Travis was. I don't know. Because... Travis does seem like the kind of guy that, you know, because everybody knows, like, I remember my freshman year of college, it was always this fucking guy on our on the first floor. He was always naked. His balls were always out. What? And, like, it's like, dude, what? And there's always a guy like that. Travis was that guy. See, this is something that, as a female, I cannot relate to because there wasn't many girls out there just cruising around the dorm nude, like fully nude. Really? That's no, we all have towel, towel dresses and, you know, would do our thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know many girls that were just that in-your-face gym locker room just nude. Now, typically it's like an old dude thing, but there are young dudes that also to the airing it out type deal and this guy played the cross was way older than everybody else because i think he went to juco and <laughs> his balls were just everywhere he would just walk in and it is like he would have no pants on he'd have a shirt on but no pants on and you're just like what why how why are you the way that you are to quote michael scott so did anyone ever confront him were they like hey why no, the shirt and no than everybody balls? else he was bigger than everybody else. He was older than everybody else. He played the cross. He was kind of intimidating. Nice guy, but it was just, I don't know. That's just the way it was. Did you ever get it, any rationale to why he wanted his balls out? No, no. Um, we weren't like close friends. <laughs> he did live a couple of, a couple of doors down, but we, we didn't have very many lengthy conversations. But that he was just known for that. But imagine that guy, you know, to circle back to quarantine, dating a girl, being in quarantine, and they haven't really hung out yet. And she's like... Why are you emerging from the bathroom with a T-shirt on and your balls out and, like, nothing else? Well, I will say this. He did hook up a lot. So, <laughs> clearly, now, probably also because he was older and he was in shape and whatever, but I think the ball thing had something to do with it. He was just, I don't know, maybe it was like a maybe it was like a, a status type thing. You know what it is? It's BDE. Yes, that's what <laughs> exactly what it was. <laughs> he was just like, you know what, I'm going to walk around just doing my thing. I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. And, you know, just going to let it air out. And people were intimidated by it. People were impressed by it. They were impressed by it? it? Not me, but, I mean, clearly some girls were. Yeah, but I just feel like if he has the confidence to go balls first into a room of other dudes, he has the confidence to hit on many a girl. Yes, yes. It's more of like an overall lifestyle than it is anything. He just put out this vibe that yeah. in 2006, there are a lot of girls that were into it. And you know what? Joe Exotic replicated that vibe. Yeah, Joe, exactly. Joe, th basically, Joe Exotic was the gay version of my lacrosse, you know, <laughs> dorm buddy. <laughs> what was his real name? Joe Schwanenberger or something? He had like nine names. <laughs> I, I never knew what his actual name was. I know. Then he changed it to like Joe Maldonado for his husband and then Joe something else. But Joe Savage or whatever the something or yeah at I, the end i feel like joe Schwing schwingelberger or whatever his real name was was one thing and then he started freeballing it and he became joe exotic yeah i mean if your name's joe exotic it shouldn't be surprising anyone that you don't wear underwear <laughs> and that you're a freeballer jesus anyway i had to get off that, my, that off my chest it just doesn't make any sense to me i'm glad you did and i bet there are people out there though steve that you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis that are freeballing and you have no idea there definitely are I don't know if I'm friends with any of them. Is there someone, though, in your Rolodex of friends that you could point to, and you don't have to name them here, that you were like, if I had to bet that person's yes. freeballing it? Yes. 
Me too. If I'm thinking of all the guys I work with or all the guys that I'm friends with, there's a couple that I could settle on and be like, yeah, I bet you're free balling it. I'm thinking of one right now that I would not be surprised whatsoever. Do I know this person? Mm, yes. You've never met him, but oh. you would know who he was okay. based on a story I told you. Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay, good to know. Um, okay, well, let's get to our content picks. So we've all been locked up for a while. We are consuming way too much content. And since we always talk about A-plus content here on Small Talk, we figured we would go through a list of the best thing that we've listened to, watched, or read, and or read while we've been in quarantine. So, Steve, I'll let you go first. All right. So, Maddie and I, this is like pre and then we just crushed it during the start of the quarantine have you ever seen ugly delicious on netflix i have not but i've heard amazing things okay so it's good now it's david chang who is the guy who started um i've never heard of the the restaurant but maddie had what the hell is it called it's like he's korean it's some it's some oh momofuku momofuku yeah i've been there it's amazing so he started that he's this big you know celebrity type chef guy Basically, he, like, takes all these different food types. There's two seasons on Netflix now. And he just does a really good job in, like, a unique way of looking at their past and has a bunch, a lot of really interesting people that are on the show, like Nick Kroll's involved, Aziz Ansari's in it. Um, there's, like, a bunch of random people. They travel to a bunch of places. He has a bunch of other, like, celebrity chefs that also kind of uh, get involved as well. And it's, like, a history of food and where it comes from. For example, like one of them was called Stuff, where they look at... They're basically saying, like, all right, Italians get credit for, like, raviolis, right? Of, like, stuffing things into dough. And he was like, explaining why, like, actually, no, like, it originated in Asia and Asian countries and dumplings and all this stuff. And it was a really, really cool and unique food show. I didn't agree with him on everything because it is a little bit political and it is a little bit... Um, he basically, like, thinks that everything good came from Asia, which I, I think... It's up for debate, but it was actually a really, really good watch, and he's a really funny and interesting guy, so I highly recommend Ugly Delicious on Netflix. I think there's like two seasons or probably like eight or so episodes a season. Okay, that's good. Anything that you've read or listened to that you would recommend? I haven't really read anything. Um, I've recently started listening again to some albums, so because of nice. Rosillo, you know how Rosillo did the whole, what was it, celebrity, no, it was the... Um, he did the draft with Chris Long and Big Cat about, oh, festival lineups, like okay. drafting festival okay. acts. So my friends and I like kind of wanted to do that, and then it ended up not working out. But I made a list of all these bands that I would have that I would want to see at festivals. Oh, I love and, it. And uh, one of them was actually Queens of the Stone Age. I went back and I've started listening to a lot of Queens of the Stone Age albums. If you have not heard Queens of the Stone Age or have not listened to their entire catalog, you absolutely have to go back and listen. They're one of the most underrated bands of like the last 20 years. And, some, and it doesn't even make any sense because they are so fucking good and a lot of people love them. But I feel like they don't get the credit that other bands like the Foo Fighters get. And I love the Foo Fighters or the Black Keys or some of these other like all sort of rock bands that came out in the early 2000s. They are phenomenal and you need to go back and listen to their catalog immediately. So that's what I've been doing partially in the last couple of weeks here. A lot of them during workouts as well. And the final thing I'll bring up is I don't even think this movie was that good, but I just want to talk about it because I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen Booksmart? Yes, and I thought it was really funny. I watched it on the plane ride to Hong Kong. Okay. Maddie and I just watched it the other night. It is a almost scene-for-scene ripoff of, of Superbad. Yeah, oh, yeah. And by the way, Beanie Feldstein, her older brother, Shona Hill. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll I, I thought the movie was funny. I just could not believe how similar it was to Superbad. It's basically just female Superbad. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it's definitely a female ripoff of Superbad. Again, thought it was good, but I was just surprised by that. I bring that up because you should watch it. It's funny. It's, it's good. But the best thing about that entire movie was the soundtrack. The 
soundtrack of that movie is legitimately one of the best soundtracks of any movie I've ever watched in my life. Couldn't agree more. The soundtrack was killer. It's cautious clay. It's, it covers almost every spectrum covered the last decade of good kind of like weird music. There's a couple of FIFA songs that were on there that I love that I had forgotten about. Unbelievable soundtrack. You don't even have to watch the movie. If you like indie, how do you try? I guess like it's like indie rock, maybe indie alt stuff. Yeah. From the indie, last like 10 years. It is a phenomenal good. soundtrack. Yeah, no, it is good. You're right. I need to revisit that movie because I don't know, watching it in late December feels like 20 years ago and I have forgotten my life over the past three months. So I should revisit that. But I remember really, really liking it on the plane. It was funny. I'm trying to think. I don't think I need to do more reading. I have not read anything. So if you recommend something for me to read, I may read it. Okay, I do. First of all, I will send you the right Thompson piece. It's yes. on ESPN.com. I will post it to my Twitter page at M Smallman if anyone's interested. It's just a very heartbreaking yet beautiful piece about soccer. I mean, Steve, you'll love it. It's about Italian soccer and just life there and everything Italians have been going through and how they've adapted and how America's adapted and, and more importantly how sports brings everyone together and it was a beautiful piece of writing but I read a great book called Educated highly highly recommend Educated A plus content we talk about Joe Exotic and Oklahoma and how we can't believe people like that exist in our country because we can't identify with people like that this book is about a girl that grew up in Idaho in the mountains of Idaho and her family are basically they consist of survivalist Mormons and so they live in this house on the mountain and she never had a birth certificate and her parents won't let her go to school and won't let her go see doctors when she's injured her mom will just rub herbs on her because they think that the government and hospitals and modern medicine are all things that are brought forth by the devil and that they can't exist like that. There's a lot of things that happen in that house and she it's a true story about her life and then her older brother breaks free and he goes to college and he comes back and convinces her to go to college and helps her learn how to do math and how to read and write and do all these different things and she ends up getting into BYU and goes to college. And it's what her life is like after being homeschooled, and I use that term super loosely, by very, very, very strict Mormons and has never really had interaction with any other people in normal civilized society and what life is like for her. Hmm. And she went to BYU, which (laughs) is probably, at least if you're going to step out into the real world and go to a college from that background, BYU is probably the school for you. Well, you would think so, but for her, she was brought up in an environment where she would have to cover every inch of her body or else she was being immodest. And for her to go to BYU, there was girls wearing clothes like I would wear out and she would she was mentally trained to think if you weren't covered up that you're a whore. And, you know, girls were in her dorm drinking Diet Coke and she was like, they're drinking poison from the devil and they would do things on Sundays and she was like, they're interacting with the devil because we're supposed to shut it down on Sunday. So even at BYU, there was people that were a little bit, I don't really know the terminology, but more of like loose Mormons where they went to church and they certainly practiced, but they didn't follow the Bible as strictly as she did. So it was, she was very isolated even in that world too. So, it's interesting you bring that up. I literally last night I watched this movie called Colonia. Okay. Which it's about. Hold on, I'm gonna look this up on my phone. It's called Colonia something. Um, it's an Emma Watson movie, and it's on Netflix. Hold on, let me look this up because it's very similar. 
Okay, so there was apparently this, it's called Colonia Dignidad. It was basically a colony in Chile during like this, like post-World War II, but like more like 70s, 80s, 90s, and it was a German religious cult in the middle of Chile, 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 whatever you want to call it, South America. And it was the same thing where like they would brainwash these people who were, you know, who lived there. So there would be people that would be born there. They would be separated from their parents at birth, and they wouldn't know their parents, but they would be living in the same commune. And everyone was completely brainwashed by this religious sect. And it went all the way to the embassy in Germany there in Chile. It was like this wild, wild cover-up during this kind of weird dictator regime that was going on there at the time. And it's very, it just made me think of that. I watched it last night. Good movie, not great. Good, not great. But also like a weird sort of religious background if you're into that sort of thing. Okay. I'm more of a movie guy than I am a book guy, so I watch a lot more movies. Yeah. But um, it's the same thing. And I, I couldn't re- like remember thinking the entire time because a lot of these people that were there thought they were doing the right thing, that they were doing the Lord's work, and that everybody else was evil, and they were like getting the evil out of you by doing all these things. And until you take a step back, a lot of the people that were actually involved in this, until you take a step back, you don't actually realize how insane your life is. So she probably grew up not believing or not thinking that all this stuff was really crazy, and that all these people that are drinking Diet Coke were insane people and worshiping the devil. And it just that whole thing just really fascinates me. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah, you should. It's a great book. And yeah, it opens your eyes to this entire portion of the country that you're like, wow. And I was thinking about how restricted we feel being quarantined, shelter in place, all the stuff. And then I'm thinking, here's someone who basically grew up quarantined your entire life. Like you did not know life beyond this house on a mountain. That was your life. Yeah, that's just sad, man. I, just, I mean, like I said, the saddest part is that a lot of those people don't know any different. Like, they don't know even what they're missing. They don't even understand what the real world is about. No, and the craziest part about it was there was, she details a lot of different injuries that happen at oh, her boy. house, and the, her dad will not let them go to the hospital. And the ramifications of what happens when you don't get proper medical treatment, and that to me was insane. Oh, man. I know, right. But anyway, yeah. it was it was a very, very, very well done book. It was <laughs> it was one of the best books of 2019. Highly, highly recommend Educated. There's two things that I want to point out that I have watched that I enjoyed. I was kind of doing the Oscar train. I watched a lot of the Oscar movies. Parasite was very good, by the way. I recommend Parasite if you're into <laughs> I know that you didn't you thought it was good, not great, but um if you're into reading the subtitles, which was hard for me to get into at first, but I just thought the plot developed so quickly that I was able to stay into Parasite. But this I had read about and watched it, and I highly recommend it. It was an Oscar-winning short film. It's only about 20 minutes, but it's called The Neighbor's Window. And it's about these people that live in New York City, and they live in these buildings, and they can see directly into one another's apartments. And it's basically, to paraphrase, about what you think you see and what others perceive of you and how reality it doesn't oftentimes match the perception of you. Wait, they all know that they can see into each other's apartments? No, they don't. So it would be like if you lived directly across from me and I could see into your apartment and I was watching you, but you didn't know I was watching you. And then subsequently when I would go about my daily routine, you would be watching me and I wouldn't know. Well, that's weird. Right. But, you know, when I would take the train every Friday from Connecticut to New York City, it would be around 5, 6 o'clock, so it would be getting dark, and I would be taking the train in, and I would see 
all of these people in their apartments. And I would get this little glimpse of them as I was on the train and the train was flashing by. And I would always think, I wonder what those people's lives are like. I just saw a glimpse into their lives and I'll never know them. I'll never interact with them. But you would see people cooking together or, Mm -hmm. you know, people standing by the window or whatever. And you would always just be like, I wonder what's going on in there. You know, all of these little subplots are unfolding and I have no idea what it's like. But hey, it looks like you guys are having a great time. That's wild. I don't know. That's that's creepy. Yeah, but you should watch it. It's only 20 minutes right. worth your time. And then the best thing that I've listened to, I have... Oh, also, I started watching the Wu-Tang docuseries on Showtime. Have you watched that? No. So, how do you feel about Wu-Tang, by the way? Um, I don't... I will never claim to be a big Wu-Tang person, not because I don't think they're great. I just never really got into them. It's the same way I feel about Tupac. I just never really got into Tupac. It's not that I like, I like rap. I like lots of different kinds of rap. Um, but I just never got into it. But I do understand and recognize that they're great. Yeah, I'm similar. I did get really into Tupac, Biggie, that whole thing, because it was more or less in my era. Whereas I felt like Wu-Tang was a skosh before me, and I knew it was a big thing and would appreciate this song or that song, but was never really in to Wu-Tang. And so to watch this docuseries, I think it's like five or six parts, and it's on... Uh, Showtime, which I think is free now for a lot of people. But to see how they formed this group and how they were influenced musically by where they grew up and how it essentially changed the rap game is really interesting. So highly recommend that. But the thing Mm. that I've been listening to that I really like, have you been listening to The Weeknd's new album? I never got into The Weeknd, but I will say the one TikTok thing is the the Weeknd song, right? Where that everyone does that stupid dance to. I don't even know. I have I literally no idea. So we may be like really dating and aging ourselves here, but I'm pretty sure it's a weekend song and everyone does that stupid arms and legs dance thing that they do. And it's a very 80s type sounding song. And I'm pretty sure it's the weekend. Uh, it is a catchy song, I have to admit, but I, I've never gotten into The weekend. I haven't gotten into R&B since Usher's <laughs> Burn album, or Confessions album. I don't think I've listened to, I, I just have never been an R&B guy, and especially in my like late teens and 20s and now 30s. Okay, well, listen to After Hours. It's The weekend's new album, specifically Snow Child. Snow Child is my new jam. It's amazing. But I will say this, I did the other day hear Confessions by Usher, and my God. That song. Oh, it's a phenomenal album. Yeah, I mean, the whole song. So the whole good. I went out with a bang with R&B. <laughs> you did. Honestly, though, like, where is Usher been? What is Usher up to? Because that burn, confessions, I mean, he, love in this club. He had some major jams. Mitchell, I will say, I will go down with the ship saying, if I had two songs to put on at a bar, a club, or whatever, a party, pop that is one. By French Montana? <laughs> By French Montana. Great pick. The remix, obviously, Drake, you know, Rick Ross, everybody. And number two is Love in This Club. Number, <laughs> that song is so fucking good, and it get, it puts you in such a good mood and such a like a mood to want to just get after it and have fun with your friends that those are the two songs that if I had two choices, karaoke, gun to my head, you got you to gotta like make everybody entertained. Those are my go-to picks. See, but Love in This Club is a little sexual. You throw that on and people are grinding. They're not as pop that people are hyped. I'm, I'm yeah, dancing. I mean, I'm slamming shots undisputed fucking champion of Steve karaoke pop, like, like, you know, whatever song, party songs, but Love in This Club comes on, and cheesy, the intro, oh, like, it's just, it's impossible to not put you in a great mood. I don't even know if I need two picks. 
there's one song that wherever I have ever been in my entire life, you hear this beat and people are hyped, and that is Back That Ass Up. <laughs> yes, I mean, that it is good. It is good. Yeah, I feel like it's become... It's. I don't want to be that guy, but it's just that's a what's the word that everybody uses now? Simp. That's a simp bit. What's simp? I think it stands for like simpleton. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, that person's a simp. What is this whole thing existing? Simp, and I don't even know what that is. Why am I the one that is teaching you about young culture when it should be the other way around? Because that is so stupid, simp. And by the way, back that ass up is not simp. Okay, it is anything but simp. It's just that's everyone's pick. I want like the Michelle unique pick. Okay, let me think about that. In college, or like just out of college, like you're going out because that's what I felt like. Loving this club. Okay. Okay. In college, in college, bring me back to a time. Without a doubt, in college, Mount Rushmore of get this party started was bad. Mike Jones, Ying Yang Twins. Oh my God. Great choice. Great. See, that, that, that's what I was trying to hold out for. Great choice. Yeah, that would come on at station, and it would be like, oh, my God, get the shots rolling. Everyone is... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like people would jump up on the bar when bad would come on. I mean, Mike Jones, you throw Yin Yang Twins, Mike Jones, whatever, any of that, that whole weird, what, five, six, seven year era of that, of that, oh, yeah. that kind of music. Like, what was it, the crunk music? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Ying Yang Twins and Mike Jones in 2007, you put them together. That's a Molotov cocktail, okay? You know it that really thing is, is exploding. <laughs> you know what's going it on. It really is. I felt blessed to have grown up at a time where that was the shit when we would go out or like high school dances or whatever. Like Ying Yang Twins, I mean, obviously, Get Low is absurd, but the catalog of just banger after banger. Oh, my banger. God. The Whisper song. Remember the Whisper song? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what song I used to love, too? It was uh, the one that I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but I don't even care. The Pitbull one, where, or was it Shake? Oh, why are you embarrassed? Incredible. Oh, it's an incredible song. Because I feel like old Pitbull and new Pitbull are two completely different people. Like, new Pitbull is just like, all right, whatever, this is stupid. Old Pitbull, let's go. Yeah, old Pitbull was real. New Pitbull's just a showman, you know? He's just doing the it's formula. Real yeah, it was 305. God, now I want to listen to bad. Mike Jones, though, I mean, we've Mike told this, this story before. I used to give out my phone number to guys in college, and I would give them. <laughs> yeah, every time I hear that song now, I think of that. Wait, hold on. Because that was like a little before. That was, what year did that come out? Because you are a couple years older than me. And it's funny, when you're like talking like high school age, Third Eye Blind, for example, right? Like, there are some Third Eye Blind albums that came out just before I was in high school, but they feel like they came out, like, 20 years before that yeah. for some reason. So, for me, that Mike Jones song, was I think that was a little bit before my musical awakening. Yeah, so that was 2005, which is my freshman year in well, college. maybe not then. 281-330-8005. Okay. So, maybe not then. That was actually kind of like Prime. I don't know why. I, don't, I, just, I just don't memorize the number, but I do know the song, but I do, and I do know Mike Jones. How can you not remember? It was to the to the beat two eight one three three zero eight zero zero four. Hit Mike Jones up on the low because Mike Jones about to blow. I mean, I would give that number to guys, and I would be like, "This is the modern day equivalent of me giving you um, eight six seven five three zero nine. Yeah, eight six seven five three zero nine. Yeah. It's like the yeah. modern day equivalent of me giving you eight six seven five three zero nine, and you don't realize it. So I knew that we were never meant to be. That's true. That is true. If you did, that's actually a great test. Yeah. If, like, if you don't get the joke, then it's probably just not going to work out. Right. You're obviously dumb and not hilarious. But thank you for the drink. Goodbye.
<laughs> and that's why I'm like quarantined alone. But <laughs> but anyway, okay. So this wouldn't be a podcast with us unless we ended it on a super snarky note. And everyone's in quarantine and everyone's desperate for human interaction. And a lot of people are getting that through digital attention, likes, comments, retweets, etc. So we wanted to end this with our top three most hated quarantine social media developments. All right. I have three that I think are just stone cold. This person sucks. Okay. And I'll start with number three. Number three is the person that thinks that because we're in quarantine, that it's their time to let the content flow, that their day job or whatever has been holding them back. And now all of a sudden they're going to, you know, unload all this content on the world. And most of that is through people doing stupid ass videos on TikTok. Now, <laughs> seen, we'll get to this in just one second. I've seen one TikTok video of people doing dances that I actually thought was good. Can I guess the it? The rest of them are all fucking trash. They're all not original. It's the same people doing the same shit. And I understand that a lot of it. And here's, and here's the uncomfortable part about it is that it's actually the people that are younger that should be uncomfortable about it because a lot of times it's parents trying to hang out with their kids. So they're doing the dances or whatever. So I don't actually really blame the parents for doing it. But when you're in your 20s or even like early 30s and you're doing these stupid ass TikTok dances that thousands, if not millions of other people have done, and you want to act like you're some cool person creating content out there on the interweb, what the hell are you doing? So that is number three for me. That's a, honestly, I might have even put this too low, but that's number three for me. Yeah, I think you seated it way too low. And can I guess the one TikTok that you liked? Yeah, go ahead. Was it Damian Woody? Yes, Damien Woody absolutely killed it. And a lot of that is because we know Damien. He's awesome. And I just think he's a funny person in general, intentionally and unintentionally. Damien Woody's eight-second, nine-second TikTok video was hilarious. He slayed that video. I knew it was Damien because I texted it to Maddie and was like, I hate TikTok with a fiery passion, but I would spend all day watching Damien Woody do TikTok dances. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't understand. Oh, Mumford's getting, getting loud. He wants to go for a walk. Again, I have not been on TikTok a ton, so it's hard for me to say like what the overall content is. But of the content that I see, all of it is so unoriginal and so not funny. And maybe I'm sounding like the old dude here at age 31 here as I'm starting to transition out of being young, but I don't understand it. I really don't. It's one of the oldest things I've ever felt in my life is not understanding TikTok. Yeah, I just don't think it's funny. I know the whole point of it is to do the same dance, but I'm like, but why? It looks yeah, the same. Like, I don't need to see everyone do the same dance. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, right. it's low-hanging fruit. Number three. That's uh, mine. Okay. Do you want to give your two ones or do you want me to give my number three? You give your number three. We'll go alternate. We'll do a little snake draft here. Okay, snake draft. So my number three is people who are stuck at home and now want to use any social media platform as a way to get their political views out there. I know that normally you've been busy, and so a lot of this has been pent up. But guess what? Everyone is dealing with a lot right now, and you unleashing about the president or something 17 times a day, it's just too much. It's just wearing on people. I get it. We're all unhappy. I get it. A lot of things have been done wrong, but we don't need your We need solutions. Things. We don't need yes. we don't need people pointing out obvious problems. Yes. We need solutions. And That's like, what I would say. Like none of us also like the way that Trump has handled this, but right. like can we figure out can we channel some of our energy towards actually doing something? I agree. And I know a lot of people are feeling a certain type of way and you know, we do live in a country where you have freedom of speech, but it just you turn on the news and everything that you're consuming is really heavy anyway. And I don't need your heavy, heavy political views right now. You know what I mean? Totally agree. Totally agree. Probably also too low of a seat. <laughs> yeah, I know. But my, my two and one are pretty good. 
Yeah, I feel pretty great about my one seed, um, for sure, for sure. All right, my number two. Let me do my number two here. This one is kind of similar to my number three, but in a different way. It is also people that are trying to now become content factories, which, again, just because you have a platform and you have a Twitter account doesn't mean that all of a sudden you are the next, I don't know, Jimmy Kimmel waiting to erupt here. I don't understand all these people that just try to piggyback on fads that have so clearly come and gone. But the one that annoys the hell out of me now is it's not people that post brackets, because I do think brackets are fun. You texted me the other night about the John Mayer bracket, which was amazing. And I had already filled out probably days before. And honestly, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my entire life. So I am actually pro bracket, especially some of the creative ones. But the one thing that does really annoy me is the people that try to go viral by posting a stupid question, like a really specific question. For example, name a movie that you most think of growing up. I'll start. And then it's like somebody (laughs) names this thing. And it's just some stupid question. And the only reason that you're posing that is because you want people to retweet it and to, you know, act like you started some sort of sort of movement. There have been a couple of good ones. I'll I'll grant it. But the problem is the hit rate on those is so freaking low. And everyone just keeps throwing random shit at the wall that it has completely clogged any of the real good ones. So that is my number two. It's another it's another sort of content related one. But people that started, you know, try to start the whole viral trend of like hey what's this when you come what you know when you think of this i'll start and then you name something i don't know why michelle but it just drives me up a wall yeah because by saying i'll start no shit you'll start you're the one composing the tweet yeah i don't know why it it makes me irrationally annoyed and i I don't really know why but it's like okay cool so everyone thinks that they're this amazing social media person i was speaking against Yeah, my number two is in the same vein, and it's the push-up challenges. I mean, I get that we all need to feel connected, but I don't care that someone tagged you and you're doing push-ups. I just don't care. And shout out to my friends who know me so well that they have not tagged me in any of that because they know that I would roll my eyes and be like, I'm not doing it. So I got tagged in two different challenges, and you know me, I do not participate in internet challenges. <laughs> I felt bad though, because I'm not, I'm like, all right, am I being a dick? But like, I have kind of like a no internet challenge rule. I have, it's like a hard rule that I have. So I've stuck through it and for sure, the push-up challenge, I mean, I, we just don't need to see you doing push-ups. I'm sorry. No, and honestly, Steve, respect. Don't let quarantine change you, you know? Thank you. I'm gonna be true to me. What's up? <laughs> Stick to your guns. <laughs> all right, my, my number one is, uh, is so straightforward, but I feel the need to have to say this because there are so many people that post this. And it, again, it provides nothing. And if you post it like one time, it's fine. But the problem is that the same people post it over and over and over and over again. And that's the person that posts fuck coronavirus every three days on Twitter. And you're just like, yeah, we get it. It's, it's almost like the, you know how during controversial things when there's a, such a clear side on something. Remember like when the whole um, NFL was going through, they increased awareness of domestic violence, right? And like everybody knows that domestic violence is bad. Like everyone is on the same side on that story. Well, it's the same thing here. Everyone knows coronavirus is bad. You <laughs> tweeting fuck coronavirus does literally nothing, and especially if you do it multiple times a week. What are you trying to accomplish there? Are you just trying to get your frustrations out? I get it. We're all frustrated, but like, what is the point of firing that tweet out multiple times a week? Are you trying to show that you dislike coronavirus more than I do or more than the average person does? I don't understand what the point of that post is more than one time, and I've noticed so many people on the internet that just post it all caps, oh, fuck coronavirus, and it's just like, why... Why has this become a thing? Like, it's almost like a scheduled tweet that people have to send out now, Michelle. Like, I just do not understand it at all. 
<laughs> I just wonder when all this is done if people are going to be like, yeah, remember back in 2020, Steve was so anti-coronavirus. Good on him. Good yeah, for him. Yeah, like he was really ahead of that thing. And you're like, everyone doesn't like coronavirus. Why are we doing this? Yeah, it's literally disrupted the world. We all hate. No one's like, you know what? Coronavirus positive. It, it goes back to like people on the internet are competing for attention and they want to be so in the right camp, right? Whereas like everyone's in the fuck coronavirus camp. <laughs> Why are you tweeting this out multiple times? It makes no sense. It doesn't make you any more self-righteous than anyone else. <laughs> I just, it, it, I don't understand why people waste their time doing things like this. I don't either. And that leads me to my number one, too. I know that we all need attention. And I know one subsect of our society that's really been hit hard by coronavirus is the influencer category because they can't travel <laughs> and they can't post from Coachella. I understand that you guys are really struggling right now, but I do not need the stay safe thirst traps. I do not need you posting a picture in a thong and then the caption being, wash your hands for 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's so good. Yeah. What person is leaving their house and is like, oh shit, I remember I saw April in a thong, so I really should wash my hands before I leave. No one. You are just so desperate for attention that you're like, you know what? I'm going to throw in some lingerie, and the caption's going to be, stay six feet away from me. (laughs) You know what? I was totally going to forget to wash my hands, but now I remember Emily Rajakowski or whatever, her side boob. Now I'm going to wash my hands because I saw her Instagram post. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I... (laughs) I I was going to leave my house and go hang out with a big group of people, but I remember seeing some thoughty girl on Instagram that said, stay home, stay safe, and now I'm staying. I'm just staying yeah. here. She, You know what? She cares. It's amazing. She just cares so much. Look at her. She took time out of her day to say, you know, wash your hands while also posting this incredibly provocative picture. You know, she is so concerned with society that she has gifted us these partial nudes telling us to wash it, our hands. What's, what's the, there's a dude version of that, too, though. It's not just like, what's the dude version of that? I don't is it just know. fuck coronavirus? It might, I think we might have just done the same thing because it's mostly dudes that post fuck coronavirus. Yeah, I don't know so any female it. posting fuck coronavirus yeah, daily. Yeah, it's mostly dudes. I'm thinking of like two or three very specific guys when I, when I do this, but that is in, in a way like the male thirst trap of like, let me be a hardo and post in all caps that I hate the coronavirus. That is the male version of the thirst trap of a girl posting tasteful side boob, you know, wash your hands for 20 seconds. But I don't even think it's tasteful side boob. It's like... That's a good call. Yeah, it's not tasteful. <laughs> it's like essentially everything but nip. And it's like, I have been locked up and I have not gotten the stream of attention or the outfits or the backgrounds that I have needed for the past month. And we are struggling here. Please <laughs> like me. Yeah. Please like <laughs> my content. The machine is struggling here, yep. <laughs> so I see that every day. <laughs> but the captions will slay me because it's... <laughs> You know, quarantine is rough. Be sure to wash your hands. And it's literally you naked with, like, flower petals on your boobs. Yeah, literally, it's like a blurred-out picture of a topless girl, and below it's, like, flat in the curve. (laughs) 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 Or it's, like, you in a bubble bath with your cleavage out saying, wow, what Dr. Fauci had to say today was unbelievable. (laughs) That actually would be kind of funny if somebody should do that, like a comedian, I don't know, whoever, should post basically nudes on Instagram and then have really specific scientific information as the caption. Yeah. Everyone stay inside because the peak curve in St. Louis is going to hit at the end of April. (laughs) Yeah. Like I want to hear like legitimate vaccine testing methods and I want scientific (laughs) job. Like that would be, that actually would be really funny. If you take it far enough, it does become funny. But it's just a picture of my ass. (laughs) But yeah, but it's mostly just a picture of me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so you know what? Maybe we're being haters, but I don't know. Maybe it's because we've been cooped up, but there are some, there's just some terrible, 
terrible people on social media. But you know what? I'm not even mad at them for doing that, but it wouldn't be our podcast. And again, we have to stay true to ourselves if we didn't point these things out. Yeah. And Grant, like, listen, everybody knows I get annoyed by things. That's, that's just kind of my shtick or whatever. And But I, I do feel like I'm really right here. Like, there are so many people that are just looking for high fives left and right. And it's like, come on, be better than that. I'm going to tweet something later. Like, <laughs> you know, what's your favorite cookie? I'll go first and just tag you. <laughs> Yeah, I'll start. <laughs> Snickerdoodle, go. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, I'm dying. Well, Steve, so great to talk to you. I'm glad we were able to air this out. We got a little serious, and then we took it back to normal. But honestly, it felt good to chat with you and just let all of this out. Yeah, it was therapeutic. There's a lot of pent-up. It's not anger. It's just frustration about being cooped up. So, yeah, it was very good. Yeah, and everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. Tweet us, Instagram us, whatever you need to. We will have more content recommendations, I'm sure, throughout this, whatever you guys need. But everyone, be safe. Wash your hands. Stay six feet away from everyone. Don't leave your house. Post your thirst traps, whatever you need to do. But we will get through this together. Yeah, I guess if posting thirst traps is your thing and it helps you cope, ignore what we said and enjoy yourself. You keep doing you. You know what? At this point, it's just survival. Whatever you need to do to survive. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Sit back. Relax. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. It's time for a review on the Small Talk Podcast with Michelle Smallman. Brought to you by Land Rover St. Louis. Okay, let's jump to a review. This one says, thank you, five stars. Just wanted to say thank you for today's show. It was nice to have some semblance of normalcy with a new episode on a Friday. I hope everyone and their families are healthy and well. I miss sports. I miss the gym. Thanks again. Stay healthy. I miss sports. And shockingly, I also miss the gym. But thank you so much, Lane Train, for saying that. It really makes me happy to think that getting a notification that you got a new small talk pod made at least one of you feel a small sense of normalcy during this very trying time. And Steve and I are going to try to knock out a few more of these throughout the month. It's just tough because I have to get into the studio to do so. And it's essentially the Thomas Crown affair, trying to get into the building studio without really interacting with anyone or touching anything, but we will figure it out and we will make it happen. So thank you for that review. If you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk, subscribe to it, rate it, and leave a review. Thanks again to Steve. Thank you to Anthony for putting this together. Thank you for listening. And until next time, wash your hands, stay away from each other, stay home, and stay safe. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.